talking a lot about like songs that are stuck in your head that are just like your daily must listens. Yeah. Do you, so I guess my, my question for you is, do you feel like those change dramatically from, you know, day to day or week to week? Or do you have certain songs that are just kind of always songs you want to be hearing? Hmm. Um, this is kind of a hard question because I'll get on I'll get on kicks for sure, where there's a song and I just want to listen to it all the time. And if I don't hear it at least once a day, I'm kind of bummed. And I usually like, I can even just self-diagnose it or I'm like, why do I feel sad? Oh, I just need to listen to that song and then I'll feel better. And those last for, I would say like a couple of weeks or a couple of months sometimes, but I try, I work very hard not to get sick of them. I, like I do a lot of work to make sure I don't over-listen. But um, there are just some songs that I'm always kind of down to listen to no matter what mood I'm in. And that's, I think, pretty rare. I do spend some time when I first get in my car, like picking the music for it. My roommate can just like drive around without any music on. And I'm kind of weirded out by that. So I'm like, but your thoughts, your thoughts are there. <laughs> What are you doing with your thoughts? Uh, <laughs> how are you not sad right now? Yeah. <laughs> are you crying the whole time? Because that's what I would do if I didn't have music on. Sometimes I turn music on just to cry. I'm okay, like, let's yeah. pick the part? song that'll take me to crygasm. And it's perfect. <laughs> Crytown population you. Exactly. <laughs> but um, I wish I had kind of the foresight or hindsight to start building a playlist of songs that I've gotten stuck on. It would probably be pretty random. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like I, there's songs that just kind of remain constant. Like if I'm getting in the car and I don't know really what to listen to, like I have probably like a 10 songs that are like my go-to I'm driving somewhere and this is what will put me in the right you know, mood, or there's ones that just kind of come and go. I feel like I've, I've been really on like a lemon demon kick lately. And I've been listening to a lot of like mask of my own face and two trucks and like, mm -hmm. and I feel like those have been really taking over my, anytime I'm in the car other than but what I've actually, what I found is so Two trucks, I obviously can't play in front of Davin because yeah. you know he does love trucks a lot and this is going to put complicated feelings into his five-year-old brain. <laughs> but the rest of the, 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 like pretty much the rest of that catalog, like there's that, it's called Spirit Phone or whatever, that, that mm -hmm. album is totally clean. It's just weird. Yeah. And so we've started listening to that together and it's just so batshit crazy and like complex and it, and I think that it's going to make him like in like a genius or like a villain yeah he's he, his it his I could watch his eyes while I'm playing songs from that because there's just so much going on <laughs> he's just really he's really interested but also just like he looks like he's just getting like a hundred mile an hour fan blowing in his face of just like <laughs> I can't even handle myself right now yeah, that is kind of the feeling I got when I, the first time I listened to Spirit Phone, because I'd heard little chunks of Lemon Demon before. It was popular on the internet and it was kind of a joke where it's like, if you're too much of a coward to straight up come out to your parents, then just play Lemon <laughs> Demon in the car. Um, and I heard about two trucks, but I kind of made up my own song with our, our friend Kate uh, to, to two trucks and then listened to it. And I was like, actually, 
the original is strangely better than what was in my head because what's in my head is usually better but this was good and it became the new national anthem for me and now we sing it on fourth of july and instead of the national anthem and it's important i mean i support that yeah and it's uh it's a banger that that dude is just so talented obviously like all of his stuff that he's done and Potter Puppet Pals and yeah, all Yeah, Neil Cesariga and his whole family really is very impressive. <laughs> yeah, I have very strong memories tied up with the first time I listened to that album because I was on vacation with Aaron, Emily, and Kate at the beach and we all just gave each other back rubs and I put that on. And so we were like lying on the floor of this Airbnb rubbing each other while the, this rain pounded down outside because it's the Oregon coast. <laughs> And we'd every time an, a new song would come on, we'd be like, "What? What's he saying? What is this? The entire plot of Jaws? What's going on?" Yeah, that's a perfect experience. Just like four hot humans just mm-hmm. rubbing each other to Lemon Demon. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I it, it's a very treasured memory for me with that whole that whole artist. I'm just like, yeah, Lemon Demon's tied up with a lot of homoerotic beach times. And I really appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. For me, it's more tied up with like sitting outside of my car, watching the kids do karate, Mm. but I'm sitting in my car, watching them from my car, just blasting (laughs) Lemon Demon alone. (laughs) It's a different kind of experience. It's like, I got a secret, like nobody inside knows how fucking weird I am yeah (laughs) somebody might tell me to move along you know yeah (laughs) that's the joy of lemon demon I think because it's it's just a lot of a lot of electronica a lot of keyboard stuff Um, yeah and it's just like so it just honestly like and I know that a lot of really weird stuff like that kind of gets tied into like a comedy parody type you know the average person would hear that and be like, well, this is just like weird comedy music. Yeah. But honestly, like I think about that or like Mark, just until like Mark Ribele or whatever his name is, Mark, I, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but it's the guy who has like the, like the girl party song. He's like, are there oh. people, are there people having sex in there? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, great song. But I, and I feel like he does like a lot of like, he's like a, like he calls himself loop daddy. And it's just like, he has a bunch of like YouTube stuff and and, like a couple of albums of just like him doing like improvised looping and then just like singing over top of it. And it's just so funky and great. And people, and it it, like started out where people were like, well, this guy's just being silly and trying to be, you know, as weird as possible. But I feel like some of the best artists exist in that space where they're just doing things that are sometimes silly or absurd. I think a lot of the best artists don't really take themselves that seriously and want to do just, you know, stupid things and funny things. And so like, I, I feel like I've, I've identified and appreciated Lemon Demon more and more over time as I'm just like, oh yeah, this is a person who's just immensely talented and was too talented to try what to make like normal music. Yeah. Like there's just some people who are making the exact kind of music that they want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And they just have that vision and there's no one else doing it quite their way. And that's really impressive. No one wants to do it their way either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. And like, you know, and I think of like, if you listen to like a band like Mumford and Sons or like the Lumineers who are just like, 
they're just so universally enjoyable. Like pretty much anybody who likes any kind of music can find something in that sort of music that appeals to them. But then if you throw on Lemon Demon, like people will be very uncomfortable, even though it's equally great and equally as like much musical talent. Yeah. I guess I'd, I'd agree with you on the musical talent thing. I, I wonder about music's greatness, you know, um, as it, like, this is kind of a question. This is going to be like, a, we'll get into a different episode here in just a second, but this is going to be a deep episode about like the question of art, where is music great when it's like technically good or is it like in the technicality of making it or is it great when a lot of people enjoy it? <laughs> and honestly, that's such a good question. And are you saying you're ready to get into that conversation now? Yeah, let's try it. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, so that's a great point. And I feel like there was a time in my life where the six minute long, hyper-technical, every person in the band, and I think about a lot of like heavier music in that space mm -hmm. where like every every musician is just, you know, masterclass in what they're doing. And you know, I think about a band like, like Dragon Force who <laughs> have that through the fire and the flame song where every person in that band is like so fast and technical and insane. Mm -hmm. and, and some of their songs are just these, just behemoths of like, you know, movies, like nerdy movie Dungeons and Dragons soundtrack bangers. But is that what makes a song great like it's the you know the complexity of a song or, the, or then you can compare it to something like you know listen to like bob dylan's song we were listening to some bob dylan the other day because davin was asking about we were talking about singers who have like bad voices or like unappealing you know mm -hmm. timbers to their voices and so i played him like a rolling stone and he was like i really like the music it feels really it just feels really easy to listen to and I was like, I know, I was like, and that's, I'm like, you're five. And so to, even to you, like, you can feel kind of how timeless and amazing the song is. And then of course he was like, I hate how he sounds, please turn it off. <laughs> but, you know, and I think that I would argue that the most iconic songs and the ones that are considered the best songs are most of the time three chord, simple songs that mostly just resonate with people I would, you know, say for the most part, probably from lyrical content or kind of the way that it hits them. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that technicality is what makes a good song, even though it took me until I was damn near this age to really kind of finally feel that. I think I used to just be so concerned with everything I listen to has to be fast and technical and like something that most musicians couldn't accomplish musically. Um, but I think there's something to be said for a song being simple, even being more, you know, impactful, even just for like a, thinking about like, you know, like the thing about this year from the Mountain Goats, it's three <laughs> chords, the entire song, it's literally the same pace, the whole song, yeah. nothing changes. Um, you know, it's four verses, like it's long in terms of like content, but that song is so impactful to so many people. And it's, you know, it's just the same three chords that's used in every straightforward folk song ever, you know. And so it's just, it, it depends. And it's all about the, the way that it's created and the way that it comes across. 
I think a lot of it comes in with audience too. Like I, this is always kind of my argument about whether something is art or not, or whether something is good or not, is if somebody wants to engage with it. Yeah. And I, I guess there's some comment to be made about like, I don't know, people engaging with bad art, like the room or something like that. I'm a, I'm sorry, I'm sure this offends you. Hey, the room that's is art, art. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's art on a different level. You own the DVD. Um, but the fact that it like engages people is something and the room's not a song you should never watch it but it's pretty funny to watch <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm just thinking about audience wise like the mountain goats has such a following despite the fact that I've seen quite a lot of parody stuff about them that feels very true where it's like John Darnell has a whiny voice or like the song is basically just like, I was driving to Texas and I saw a dog. It was Brown. Like nothing rhymes. They're just telling a story, but I love the mountain goats. I have seen them in concert and it was fantastic. John Darnell's a great performer. He's been doing this so long. He'll wear like the powder blue suits that you'd wear to the prom in the seventies. Like he's a great guy. Um, very anti-drug because he's like, listen, kids, I did so much drugs. Please don't do drugs. <laughs> it sucked. And I have lost a lot of memories. <laughs> and I'm like, I appreciate that because your audience is young and they're depressed and scared and anxious and queer and just like very, very lost. And he knows that. And he's trying to engage with them and his songs do because he was, you know, lost and searching and very, very fucked up for a very long time. And now he has the amazing song, the Jedi that wastes all the other Jedi and eats their bones, which is one of my favorite mountain goat songs. That is a great song. Everyone's mad at that song, except for me. (laughs) I think it's great. I mean, and honestly, I think that that's a testament to the ability to storytell and I think the ability to be honest and self-deprecating and real with lyricism and songwriting. And we talked, so I think we we had talked before at one point about even how sad or not upbeat pop songs are always presented with like a, but we're still young and having fun type vibe Mm -hmm. or, you know, with like, it's, it's all stylized or whatever. And I think that the stuff that ends up being timeless, it almost always comes from a place of like realness and humanity. And I think that like the songs that are ones that don't go away or that make an impact on someone stick around. Like there's, there's always something there that is real that people can grasp onto. And I know for that, it's always been that way for me. Like I, you know, something like the mountain ghost or even something like like laura jane grace's songs like that like those like music like that it's very basic just just folk music like it's just three or four chords on an acoustic guitar and maybe some drums and bass and there's probably a hundred songs on spotify right now that sound very close to them even with the same chord progressions and speed and tempo and whatever, just because there's only so much you can do with folk music, but it's about the content and it's about, you know, how you write and how you tell a story. And again, as somebody who that's not at all how I approach songwriting whatsoever, mm-hmm. I feel like it's been an interesting thing for me and kind of getting back into writing songs is that I, I feel like I need to write my music to be different sounding enough or have 
elements that are unusual um, or played a different type of way to stand out because I don't necessarily feel like my aging, semi-successful dad vibe <laughs> lyrics are gonna, you know, be that impactful for people. But I I, I feel like I, I'm mostly hoping that someone hears a cool riff or a cool part and they're like, oh, I like that. I wanna, I wanna give this music a chance. Um, but I feel like the stuff that typically ends up being timeless and long-term impactful is the opposite, where it's somebody telling a story that needs to be told and that's real and important. And, you know, the music in that, those cases, a lot of times is almost secondary, which, you know, pains me to say, but uh, that's, that's kind of how I feel on that. It's interesting because I was thinking about this and I feel like there's um, some connection between the two. Like, I, I think why Mountain Goats is so successful and Lord and Grace and so many folk artists and people who write about a great deal of personal suffering is because there's an element of specificity as well as universality into it. So it's like you pick some really hard details that are really concrete to you, but somehow it still speaks to people. And there's not really a great way to break that down. Um, I'm not sure what about something specific appeals to a broader audience, but some of the lines that always stick with me with mountain goats or against me are those really tight, like looking at the wall and noticing something about it that's just in front of you. And it's speaking to an experience that I don't have, but I can relate to still. Yeah, I totally agree. When you pointed your headlamp toward the horizon, you were the one thing in the galaxy God didn't have his eyes on. 900 cc's of raw, whining power, no outstanding warrants for my arrest. After one long season of waiting, after one long season of wanting, I am breaking open. My insides are pink and raw, and it hurts me when I move my jaw, but I am taking tiny steps forward, and I will bloom here in my room with a little water and a little bit of sunlight and a little bit of tender mercy. There will always be a few things, maybe several things, that you're going to find really difficult to forgive. I'm going to bribe the officials. I'm going to kill all the judges. It's going to take you people years to recover from all of the damage. I broke free on a Saturday morning. I put the pedals to the floor, headed north on Mills Avenue, and listened to the engine roar. I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. Love is going to lead you by the hand into a white and soundless place. Now we see things as in a mirror, dimly. Then we shall see each other face to face. Under me your hand. Let me look in your eyes as my last chance to feel human begins to vaporize. And this great unstable mass of blood and foam, and no one in her right mind would make my home her home. We cleared a space for him to sleep in, and we let the silence that's our trademark make its presence felt. Come on in. We haven't slept for weeks. Drink some of this, it'll put color in your cheeks. But they came, and when they finally made it here, it was the least we could do to make our welcome clear. Stay till you feel your legs underneath you again. Stay till you can breathe like normal people do. I've got room in my house for you. This is where I came when I ran out of places to run. Come and stay with me out here away from things. Come and stay with me with the sky's real clear. The sky's purple from six in the evening till midnight out here. This night's gonna end and we're damn well ready for it to be over. Worked all week long, 
now the music's playing on our time. We do what we do to get by, and then we need a release. There ain't no Johnny coming home to share a bed with her, and she doesn't care. No mother ever dreams that her daughter's gonna grow up to be a junkie. And if she has to live it all over again, you know she wouldn't change anything for the world. I don't ever want to talk that way again. I don't want to know people like that anymore. As if there was an obligation, as if I owed you something. I don't want to see the world that way anymore. I don't want to feel that weak and insecure. When you died, you were only 26. The most real person that I ever met. God damn it. God damn, I miss my dead friend. You want them to notice the ragged ends of your summer dress. You want them to see you like they see every other girl. Rough surf on the coast. I wish I could have spent the whole day alone. But then there's also an element of musical success, I think, where uh, replayability becomes a big deal. Because, like, as again, I am not a musician, and I try to play the ukulele a couple times a year. And the song that's kind of my warm up, just because it's so easy to remember a couple of chords and switch between them and I have time for it because it's kind of slow is Hurt, the Johnny Cash version. Awesome. And uh, I try not to play it too loud because I worry that the people who hear it will worry about me, but really it's just a very good song <laughs> and very easy to play. And it's probably pretty high up there in terms of like, if I look up ukulele tabs online, it'd be pretty high up there just because it's so simple to play. They broke it down really easily. The notes switch pretty slow. The beat's pretty slow. I don't feel rushed when I'm doing it. And I think something like that will stick around for a good long time because that union of the lyrics, and the universality, the specificity, and it's replayable. I think that all combines into something that's a really good song and has the audience that's excited about it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that, and again, a lot of these songs, I, I wonder what percentage I would bet it's high of the songs that are, you know, considered by, let's see, Rolling Stone's top 200 songs of all time, or one of those mm. of lists a large percentage of those songs are the same chords, oftentimes the same chord progressions. There's that YouTube video of that one band where they play like 40 songs that are yeah. all hits and they it's just at the same chords over and over. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, again, there's, there's only so many chords, there's only so many ways that you can play. And so I think that it becomes about the way in which the artist emotes through the instruments and then also the way that they tie in, you know, the emotion and the lyrics and the vocal, you know, whether the vocal performances go along with the chord progressions or if they are something off and different and unique in that way. Um, like hurt. Yeah. If it's hurt is like maybe two chords and then a third chord at yeah. some point. And, you know, like that's one of the most powerful songs ever. Like, the Nine Inch Nails version or the Johnny Cash version. I mean, John, the Johnny Cash version is the one that is the game changer. I mean, Trent Reznor acknowledges that. Acknowledges yeah. that. And, and that's really cool in and of itself. And mm -hmm. like, but like that song, I mean, I can't like not kind of cry hard hearing his version of it yeah. because it's just so powerful. And by the logic of someone who's so instrumental in focus like myself, I, my natural reaction would be like, okay, well, that's a two and then three chord song. The vocal patterns 
follow pretty closely along to the melody, this is probably going to be boring and not something that would be, you know, a, one of the greatest songs of all time. But because of the way it's executed, it's just a special thing. And yeah. I think the, the main takeaway is that, you know, technical prowess is great. There's always some guy down the street or some person down the street doing what you're doing, but better. Like that's just the reality of being a human being. Like there's there's probably a 16 year old down the street of my, on my street that's just sitting in his bedroom playing or sitting in her bedroom playing guitar all day long and she's way better than me. <laughs> and like, that's, you know, that's just the way that it is. But it's about learn, it's about figuring out how you're going to communicate what you're doing in a way that is different and unique and can grab people or it can be just for you it doesn't you know I think that a lot of the artists that write some of the greatest songs especially when they have like their first record or stuff really early on you'll hear that well yeah this song was I just wrote the song because I needed to write it it wasn't I wasn't trying to write some big hit I was writing a song that was important to me and you know and obviously later in the career it changes a little bit because you have to keep writing music and once you get successful enough you got to keep doing it but, but yeah I think that you know all you kids out there trying to learn how to play an instrument really well give up <laughs> focus on being a good lyricist that's the key <laughs> or pay people to do it for you well we're at the end of the show here is there anything you'd like to promote yeah so actually the the dad camp uh, record came out and it's out and I changed distributors because I was sick of dealing with mine. And so now the version that's out there is the 12 song version instead of the 10 song, which was intended. So now if you go listen to it, there's more songs to listen to. Ooh. And then all the proceeds of that from sales, uh, streaming revenue, and then there's a t-shirt that's related to it as well, mm -hmm. um, goes to Friends of Outdoor Schools in Oregon. So that's going, money going to a great cause. Also, I will have just released my third single from my new album that doesn't come out till August, but I'm I'm just putting out music at a reckless pace. Excellent. My newest song is called uh, Sweet Embers. Then I have a song out called New Gravity, which is, uh, it's a little bit of a foot stomper. And then I have a song called uh, Redwood that I released. And so that's the stuff that's coming out from the new record. And then I've got shows all across Oregon this late spring and summer. Uh, the 25th of uh, May, I'll be in uh, Albany, Oregon at Calpuya Brewing at 7 p.m. And then the next the next week on the next Thursday after that, I'll be in Bend making my return to the Campfire Hotel to play there again uh, Thursday at 6 p.m. So Yeah, and I, I finally made a website for all the podcasts I've made and the weird writing yeah, thanks, shit guys. that Appreciate I've done. It. And that is at hd-creates.neocities.org. Someday I will get some some stories out there and I really hope that people are curious about that kind of stuff it's fun stuff and it's exactly what I would want to read so <laughs> that's awesome yeah and thank you all for listening yeah.